1: What up, what up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ask Paul. My name is Paul Abernathy, and welcome to the podcast where we answer your questions that are submitted through our portal. Now, if you're not familiar with our portal, uh, you need to go over to paulabernathy.com. And again, it's P-A-U-L-A-B-E-R-N-A-T-H-Y. And over at that portal, you can easily submit your questions to me and I will answer them either in an upcoming podcast like today, or I will respond to them in an email. Either way, uh, the goal is to answer your questions, and that's what I'm all about. Um, so, uh, if you're not familiar with with me and what I do, um, then you can Google me again. Paul Abernathy, uh, Electrical Code Academy, uh, and Uh, You'll see that I've dedicated my entire career to teaching people the National Electrical Code and helping them understand the National Electrical Code. Uh, And by no means a know-it-all, I learn something new every day, and so I just enjoy teaching people the code, and I've created an academy that does that. And if you're interested in learning more about residential, commercial, industrial, grounding and bonding, uh, electrical theory... Um, or if you really want to have a good understanding of the National Electrical Code, or even preparing for an electrical exam, whether you're an inspector, whether you're an installer, uh, journeyman preparing for a master's, um, or apprentice preparing for a journeyman's. Uh, however, visit our website. It's electricalcodeacademy.net. But, of course, you can do .com, .org. They all get you there. Uh, if it's hard for you to remember, then go to master MasterTheNEC, dot ccomnetorg doesn't matter. And that'll get you where you need to be. If you're really interested in simple exam prep, or maybe you already have your license, but you just want to get a better understanding of the NEC, a workable understanding, then you can go to FastTrackSystem.com. That's F-A-S-T-T-R-A-X-S-Y-S-T-E-M.com, and that'll take you right to that product. Okay. So it kind of helps you out. All right. On today's episode, I've got a couple questions we're going to answer. These again are submitted through our portal. So we want to make sure that we answer these questions for folks. And as always, we don't give any names. uh, So don't worry about that. Uh, But we definitely want to make sure we answer these questions to the best of our ability. All right. First question we've got today says, I'm a second year apprentice. Well, Congratulations. Um, it says, My question is Can you or should you splice a different circuit behind a receptacle in a receptacle outlet box? Uh, example, you run two separate circuits through pipe, and instead of hitting a junction box and taking both circuits to their own receptacle outlet, kind of like a T setup, right? Where he probably is talking about his home run raceway. And it hits a junction box and then to the left a raceway goes out that way to a receptacle outlet. And then on the other side of the junction box, it goes the other way. So all of the splicing is taking place in this common junction box. I think that's what he's stating here. Uh, I says, but it says you bring both circuits to receptacle outlet, one circuit goes to the receptacle, and the other joined or spliced behind that receptacle in that junction box and he says piped out to different receptacle outlet. Again, separate circuit. Okay. Uh, let me answer this question. So, if you want to go in your home run raceway, let's say, you call pipe and that's slang but we're talking whether it's tubing, if it's EMT, electrical metallic tubing or if it's a conduit like rigid, intermediate, uh, things like that. And you're going to run this to a receptacle outlet box. And I've got two separate circuits in this raceway. Okay. Well, the one that gets to that first receptacle outlet box, obviously that let's just say black and white are going to terminate to that receptacle. Then you have the other circuit in that box that is going to continue on to the next receptacle outlet. That's going to be a totally different brand circuit. That is perfectly fine. That gets done all the time. And in fact, if you put a junction box in to do this, then now you got to worry about that junction box being accessible. And that creates just one more box that you have to have a cover on and all this kind of stuff. So it's not necessary for you to do that. Now, a couple things that you do have to keep in mind if you're going to basically break through the receptacle box and continue on to the next one. And by the way, even when we're running regular branch circuits, uh, like a general purpose branch circuit, um, we will sometimes come into a box and then we'll go through that and then we'll loop out to the next receptacle. That's a single brand circuit. I know yours was two separate circuits and just using that device box is more of a splice box. And that's okay because you can make junctions in there. But you do need to be aware of things like raceway fill. So make sure that you're, again, just because you're breaking through that box and that is okay, just make sure that you're very aware of the Raceway requirements, uh, all of the other, excuse me, the box fill requirements. Make sure you brush up on 314.16 that you understand that each one of those conductors uh, actually has a cubic inch volume that you have to take into consideration. Um, The device has a cubic inch value you have to take into consideration. Uh, Those conductors that pass straight through, if they pass straight through, then they have a cubic inch value that you have to take into consideration. If you pass through, but you leave a big loop on it, okay? And if the loop itself is, you know, something that actually, if it's 12 inches uh, or more, then guess what? Then you're going to have a double volume count that you have to take into consideration. So uh, if it's just one passing through, then it's a single volume And again based on the conductor sizes that are in the box so all these different things you have to take into consideration so make sure that you're aware that if you choose to do the box and pass through it uh, you need to make sure that you do have adequate space in that box okay so you're going to have to have free conductors 300.14 six inches of free conductor uh, to be able to do those terminations all that good stuff so just be aware of that okay all right so just be aware but can you do it absolutely Alright, so the next question that we have tonight. Let's see here if I can find it. Bear with me. I will do my best to see. I'm trying to go through. So that was that one. Let's see here. The next one that's submitted. Uh, that one's about fast track, so we won't we won't answer that one. I think I've already answered that one. Okay. Next question. Alright, so the next Next question that's submitted to us here on this episode, it says, Paul, is it required by code to pigtail hot and neutral wires on duplex receptacles, or can you terminate more than one set of wires to a receptacle? I always pigtail my receptacles, and I recently started with a new company who tells me differently. Okay, well, let's talk of this a little bit. So when you get a duplex receptacle, as you're referencing... It's got four sets of screws on there, right? As well as a screw for the equipment ground, right? So we're going to address the question. And on the neutral side, you have two chrome or silver screws, typically, unless you have a screwless device, which would be a pure backwire only, or some type of integrated system like a Cheetah system where, you know, it has a, a special attachment fitting or something that would get to it. So typical duplex. You're going to have two chrome screws on one side, and you're going to have two uh, copper brass colored screws on the other side. Um, I can use every screw if I want. Now, keep in mind that if I have two cables coming into a box, let's so say two 14-2s, then I have two whites and two blacks. So I can take the two blacks, take it to the brass colored screws, take the two whites, take it to the chrome or silver colored screws. And because they're 14-gauge, it's pretty easy to kind of accordion them back into the box, get it back seated well into the box and push everything. That's not a problem. And you can do that. Nobody would require you to pigtail that. Okay. So that's pretty simple, straightforward. Now, if I have a 15 amp circuit and I'm using 14 gauge and i take three cables into that box, say three 14 twos, non-metallic sheet cable, again, uh, keeping it simple. And, Maybe this device also has back wires. Is it acceptable for me to use all of the terminals as well as the back wire? Absolutely. But at this point, you're trying to accordion back six conductors altogether, and that can be more difficult. So it might be that if you have three blacks and three whites, it makes more sense to splice those and have a pigtail going out to your device so that you can put that splice and tuck it back into the box. And then you just have to worry about that pigtail, right? So that makes more sense. Uh, but again, nothing demands... If that, de- if that device has the screws and the terminations, unless something in the listing of that product, that's why it's always important to look at the instructions for that product, unless it states, otherwise, I'm going to use these terminals. Now, you can say, that's a bad practice, Paul. I wouldn't do that. Dude, look, I'm just telling you it is what it is, okay? So perfectly fine. Now when you start getting into 12 gauge and things like that and you want to bring in let's say you're in a small appliance and you, uh, brand circuits you're in a countertop and you're doing it in 12 12 gauge. Well, if you want to have two you know one 12 2 coming in and another 12 2 coming in a junction box and now you're going to terminate those on the receptacles on uh, the terminals on a receptacle well Again, if you've ever messed with 12 gauge, it, it gets kind of tough. It's stiff, right? But it's doable, uh, and as long as you in them back in the box, you're okay. Not a problem. Shouldn't have any issues with that, right? Um, but when you start to get three, uh, and typically you're not gonna you're not gonna have a back wire that's going to be allowed for 12 gauge, right? So that's the 14. Uh, so when you start getting to 12, then the issue that you're going to run into is being able to get them back in the box. So, if you've got three cables coming in, then chances are there you want to do the pigtail. And nothing's requiring that except for your limitation on the number of terminals you have. So, that, again, you only have two silver and or chrome colored and two copper or brass colored. Okay, but you've got three conductors for the neutral and three conductors for the hot, then that's that's common sense, right? When you get to 12 gauge and larger, then you're going to do a splice, okay? But there's nothing that that forces that. Now, the only caveat that I'll tell you about this is if you're dealing with a multi-wire branch circuit, and if you're dealing with a multi-wire branch circuit, you can't let the device itself be the, I guess I should say, the connection point. You can't depend on that device to ensure the reliability of that grounded conductor, okay? So you're going to splice the grounded conductor if you have a multi-wire brand circuit, and you're going to bring a pigtail over to the device for the neutral. Because when somebody pulls out that device, if by chance that device was wired where it had a multi-wire brand circuit, again, simultaneous disconnect breaker or handle ties, if that's the way it was, what we don't want to do is have the device be the main linchpin, if you will, for this multi-wire brand circuit when it comes to the shared neutral. So you're going to splice those and you're going to have a pigtail for that. Okay. And that's typically seen in commercial, not so much residential, you know, not usually the case. Uh, But again, you can't let the device. And when we say device, in this case, let's say the receptacle, if it's removed, it can't uh, impede the necessary requirements of that grounded conductor. Okay. By the removal of that device. And where do you find that in the code? Just so you know, that is 300.13B, device removal. So, again, that's dealing with a multi-wire brand circuit. But anywhere else, any other time, uh, perfectly okay to use every terminal that is on that device. I would have no problem with it at all, so you go for it. Okay? All right. Uh, One more question tonight. Uh, Let's see here. I got another one that's submitted that says... Paul, would it be permitted in code to use a remote control to satisfy 210.70A1? It says the remote control would be communicating with a wired switch located in a different room, so the switch itself would not count for 210.70A1. The remote and switch are both listed, and the remote would be permanently mounted to the wall. The mounted remote would have a wall plate, making it making it in appearance um, in appearance indistinguishable from a wall mounted switch. Okay, so in that one, what I want to tell you is this was a slight change for the 2020 code. So if you got your code books, you want to go to 210.70. Uh, and we're going to be looking at A1, so let's look at that real quick. All right, so 210.70A1, we're dealing with the lighting outlet requirement, dwelling unit, and a habitable room. That's kind of the genesis of what this question was. Now, here's what it says. It says at least one lighting outlet, okay, so if you think about this, I'm in a bedroom. Now, we're not looking at any exceptions yet, but it says that I have to have a lighting outlet, and it's going to tell me that that lighting outlet has to be controlled, okay, in that room, okay, for that room. So let's says, it says at least one lighting outlet controlled, and again, we're not talking luminaire, we're talking about the lighting outlet, which is the box to which the luminaire would be mounted to, All right? It says at least one lighting outlet controlled by a, now check this out, a listed wall-mounted control device shall be installed in every habitable room kitchen or bathroom. It says the wall mounted control device shall be located near an entrance to the room on the wall. So now this wall, this listed wall mounted control device doesn't have to be in the room. It could be outside of the room. It could be inside the room. It just, but it does need to be near the entry to that room. Okay. And it needs to control the lighting outlet that is in that room. Okay. Now it does not mandate it to be a switch. Now, we don't have a definition for a for listed wall-mounted control device, but the fact that it requires it to be listed means that it, it's got to be a wall-mounted control device that is listed for the application. So I could actually wire a house now. In the 2020, I could wire every habitable room and never put a switch, a, a toggle switch, a snap switch, Okay, so basically, the switching or the making or breaking is taking place up in the lighting outlet, right? To the luminaire, it's doing it in the luminaire where the where it's being controlled by this listed wall mounted control device. Um, but it's got to be listed. Okay, so your typical like maybe one you have for like a ceiling fan light combo that might not be listed. Okay, but we need one that's called a listed wall mounted control device, and they do make them. And most of them they are if not all of them have no wires running to it. Okay. It's all wireless, but that would meet the code. That would be okay. So in the 2020, we have progressed now, and I would love to see an actual definition with, with the listed wall-mounted control device, and I don't believe one was put forth in the 2023, but I would like to see that because I could see where people, just like this question, want to know, okay, well, what do you mean? Is it, is it Wi-Fi? Is it Bluetooth? Is it? And the answer to that is maybe yes to all of those things. Right? So if you install this luminaire, it comes with uh, it has a listed wall mounted control device that is listed for its application and you mount it on the wall whether it's inside the room or outside of the room, then guess what? You're totally compliant. So my answer to you is it would be totally fine if indeed it's a listed wall mounted control device and that's what you definitely have in your hands, then you're good to go. That is not going to be a problem at all, All right? So there you go. Easy peasy answered that question for the gentleman. And uh, again, it's all that you need to do is to go to paulabernanthe.com and fill out the form and submit me your questions. And guess what? I will nail your questions for you. All right. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of Ask Paul. So remember, you can submit your questions by going to paulavernathy.com. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day. Hopefully you got something out of this podcast. Till next time, folks, stay safe. God bless.